This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Now, spreading freedom across the nation, this is The Buck Sexton Show. Team Buck, welcome to the Freedom Hut. Great to have you here. Thank you for joining. Really appreciate the time. Favorite part of my day, every day, 12 Eastern. Three hours of rocking and rolling, truth-telling, truth-sharing, truth-learning when you call in, or maybe we learn together, all of the above. I would like to take some calls today if you want to chat with me, 888-900-3393. And let's get into the latest with Trump. It's weird to watch a president signing executive orders and think to yourself, that's actually a good idea. And we've had some of that today. Trump is making moves. The TPP, the TPP move, Trans-Pacific Partnership, and we have somebody joining later on in the show to break that down for us. This has now become one of those issues that everyone has to talk about, but I think we can all agree, and I I put myself in this camp, We don't know as much about it as we want to. With Obamacare, you can really just focus on what has been implemented and some main points about it. Very few people have read the entirety of the bill. Many, many hundreds of pages. Uh, TPP is also huge. Very few people have read that agreement. Now, it wasn't going to get through the Congress, so people are pointing out that there's some symbolism with Trump removing the U.S. from the agreement, but it wasn't a massive change in terms of the direction of the Trans-Pacific Partnership anyway. But I want to bring somebody on to talk to you about that. Point here being, we'll learn about the TPP later so we can all talk about it with the facts at hand. But Trump is doing a lot of symbolic gestures as well as executive actions that will have a impact down the line. Trump has gotten rid of TPP now. It's no longer going to be a part of the government conversation. He has implemented a hiring freeze on federal workers. This is also fascinating to me. If you look at a chart of, of federal workers, you'd see that we have a lot of them, and they have been, over time, growing. This is now the second of six measures to clean up the corruption and special interest collusion in Washington, D.C., according to uh, Washington Post here. It's part of his 100-day action plan to make America great again. I do think that it's important that there is this focus on the first 100 days for this administration. I know every administration, oh, the first 100 days, what are you going to do in the first 100 days? It's become, uh, it was a meme before we thought of memes, but it has become a period where there's heightened scrutiny. Although that's the way it's framed, with most administrations, the scrutiny pretty much stays the same. It's either... 
minimal and laudatory Obama administration or continuous and oppressive and hateful Bush administration. The media scrutiny is something that tends to be very high, regardless of the period of the administration, perhaps until the very end. A hundred days, though, the Trump administration has to show uh, action, has to show improvements, has to be judged by the consequences of the decisions that it makes in the first hundred days. Uh, The proof has to be in the pudding. I think this is true for conservatives. I think this is true for anybody who's open-minded about the administration. And there are a lot of people, as we know, we saw them marching and, whose streets are streets? Yay! Blank grabs back. Well, it's not as good if you have to say blank, but I'm not going to say the P word on air. Uh, But those people don't care. Donald Trump could do things that improve employment prospects in each of their hometowns or cities by leaps and bounds could tackle long-term entitlements could secure the border could defeat radical islam uh, could bring about a an economic boom in this country that whether you are a software designer from silicon valley or a steel worker from the ohio valley uh, you would feel it and, and there are people that still would say that trump is hitler So we have to understand that there is a block out there. I don't know how large the voting block is, but there are tens of millions of Americans who will hate Trump no matter what he does. But for those of us who are at least willing to judge, uh, judge Trump and his administration by what he does and by what happens, what are the results, a results based presidency is the only salvation he's going to have. If he can't get things done and if he begins to turn on promises he made and moves away from everything that he said he would do during the campaign, he'll have conservatives lining up. The never Trump movement within conservatism will grow again. And they'll, of course, be the Democrats who hate him. And the whole thing is going to collapse in on itself. That's why I don't think he's going to sell out. Why? They'll, they'll never bring him back into polite company. The New York Times will never write an editorial about Donald Trump saying what a great man he is. There's no reason for him to sell out. I also do believe that he recognized at some level that he was giving up a lot of autonomy and leisure by becoming president of the United States. When you're a, a billionaire celebrity reality TV show real estate mogul, you tend to do whatever you want. Now he's got to do some stuff. There's a bit more structure in the schedule. Didn't have to do all this. So his initial measures, and I watched this morning on, I always say when I watch it on TV, I'm watching it on my computer because I watch things digitally. But I was watching video of Trump signing executive orders on Keystone XL pipeline, Dakota Access pipeline, on infrastructure projects, removing red tape, saying he's going to put people to work on those projects. I have to say the Keystone XL pipeline, even for the Clintons, was a brazen piece of left wing hypocrisy. Hillary was thinking about it, thinking about it, getting donors, getting donors. And then when she was up against Bernie, she was she was on so many sides of that issue so many times. It was tough to know. You'd have to go by the calendar date and make sure that she hadn't changed her mind since the day before. Because there's no, re- there's no environmental reason to oppose the Keystone XL pipeline 
unless you just think oil bad, oil goes in air, oil ugly, and oil destroy environment, which a lot of people do think that. It's moronic, especially when you know that the oil is going to come out of the ground, whether there's a Keystone XL pipeline or not. One of the great ironies, in fact, of the Obama administration is that there was such an explosion, an energy revolution that occurred while he was in office, despite his best efforts to prevent it. Now, I know that that means people might say, well, shouldn't he get credit for it because presidents get credit for good things, even when they don't deserve the credit, just as they get sometimes, not Obama, credit for bad things, even when they don't deserve it. Doesn't it change the situation or shouldn't we change our thinking on this? Imagine for a moment that the president of the United States was pro-oil, pro-carbon fuel, pro-drilling, pro-pipeline. What could have happened over the last eight years then? If we didn't have somebody who was standing athwart those efforts as much as possible and getting money from these big donors, there's these billionaire donors that are funding a lot of these environmentalist projects. And as we've talked about on this show a while ago, they use cutouts to make it seem like it's gra- they're grassroots funded organizations, but it's oftentimes big money that uh, liberal money that gets fun- that gets sent into one NGO that then acts as a feeder for all these other little NGOs that are all about protecting Mother Earth and stopping the big mean drilling companies and fracking. Oh my gosh, fracking! I have friends, you know, I have friends even from college when they write about fracking on their Facebook pages. They seem to think that fracking is going to kill all of us. I'm not exaggerating. That there's a mass poisoning going on. We're all going to die because of fracking. Meanwhile, a lot of countries, they wish they had problems like thinking about fracking. The world we live in, the economy that we rely on, and everything that powers our industry relies upon carbon energy. Without that, it all comes to a screeching halt. This whole green... Anyway, I know I'm getting a little on a tangent here, but Trump signed Keystone Access, a Keystone uh, Keystone XL pipeline. He signed the Dakota Access pipeline. He's doing the things that many of us that weren't necessarily fans of his style during the primary and even in the general. He's doing the things that he said he would do. So far, a couple of digressions from that or a couple of diversions from that uh, deferred access. I mean, sorry, deferred arrivals, the DACA program that looks like it's going to stay in place. That looks like Trump is going to take a tiered approach bit by bit to immigration. Now, many of us have been advocating that all along, and we knew that Trump wasn't just going to come in and become a lean, mean deportation machine across the board. But he is going to deport criminals. Well, that alone is a change in policy, a change in posture from the previous administration, and a positive one. So we should be happy about that. The freeze on federal government employees, that's also a good thing. How are you going to stop and assess your needs as a federal government when you're just constantly hiring and bringing on more and more and more. Those federal employees are expensive. Staffers are expensive. I know all about this. This is one of the reasons why the government started turning 
to federal contractors on the private sector to fill a lot of federal government roles. Then they realize that gets expensive too. But the things that Trump is doing, has done, are in many cases positive. These are the things we wanted to see him doing in the first place. I see here the uh, Daily Mail. The new White House website begins with English only. As, as they're nixing all Spanish language content. English is the language of America. Speak American. English is the language of America. This should not be controversial. This should not be difficult. These are small steps. I know he's got to deal with Obamacare. There's a, these are the things that we wanted to see him do. If Trump keeps doing and if he keeps taking actions that as a conservative I like, I'm also more inclined to care less when he does things like engage in a petty argument over the size of the inauguration crowd. That's a it's a personality quirk. You could say deficiency that Trump seems to have. I don't really care, though, and I don't know if any of us should care that much about that stuff. And I know the media is going to want to focus more on that because some of the stuff that Trump is up to right now will bear fruit relatively quickly and ultimately don't we just want somebody who's in the white house who's making good decisions who's benefiting the american people who's doing things that improve our lives or at least make the government less capable of disrupting and ruining our lives that's that's progress that's positive I am seeing action. I am seeing movement from this White House that is encouraging. I know it is very early. It's the first minute of the first quarter of a very long game. I get that. But we should be fair. The same way that I will tell you when I think there are bizarre things that the administration's fixated on, when I wake up in the morning and I see him signing Keystone Access Pipeline, Dakota Access Pipeline, putting forth an executive order to pull back red tape on infrastructure, saying that they want the pipeline to be manufactured in this country. And I know that, P- that there will be those who say, well, this isn't, this isn't totally free market or this isn't totally conservative. At least it's sensible. On balance, you can criticize some aspects of it, but it's, dare I say, progress, a word that has been so hijacked by the left that as I say it, I choke on it. It is forward movement. It is advancing the ball downfield. The media is not going to like this. The media is not going to like it when there are actions taken by this White House, like English language only on the website. Who wants to to take a, a bet right now that if they poll the American people, and they should, and I'm assuming there'll be some poll of this, as to whether they agree that the White House website should just be in English or not, Not all, but a majority of Americans are going to say, yeah, they're going to like it. They're going to like it. They agree. English is the language of this country. I hope Congress passes a law saying that English is the official language of this country. I think we should be doubling down on this. I don't want uh, signs in all these different languages all over the country. This isn't Quebec. Oh, oui, bien sûr, monsieur. My name is Pierre. No. I don't like when I go in to vote and there's, I can't even count how many different languages there were on the ballot. In New York, there's a bunch. It's not the way it's supposed to be. 
English language website, Speak American. I like it. I like what the Trump administration has done in the last 24 hours. There's some other stuff that's a little weird. We'll talk about that, too, because you know what we do here, team, in the Freedom Hut? We keep it real. We'll be right back. Buck Sexton on the Blaze Radio Network. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show Only on the Blaze Radio Network It's a sad cultural commentary in this country But comedians have become cowards Not all of them, obviously But most of them Cowards Wimps, absolute wimps, yellow-bellied wimps. And the latest uh, you see with both, I have to say, as a side note here, the the Trump son tweet that came out from that SNL writer was horrible, suspended indefinitely. But I'm not part of the outrage mob that wants everyone to get fired. All right, they suspended her. They should bring her back. It was a terrible thing to say. She's been publicly humiliated for or t- to tweet, right? She's been publicly humiliated. But I do think people should get a second. I think people should get at least a second chance. So, and I know some some conservatives are very mad. Oh, what she said. No, what she said. I was one of the first ones. I couldn't believe. But by the way, nobody could believe how stupid and, and gross it was. The left wasn't even pretending to defend that one. There, there are lines and mocking a 10-year-old. That's for everybody. That's the line. And it's also a great litmus test. Anybody who would, even for a second add and pretend that there's levity in that situation is just an idiot and despicable so it's in a sense useful when those try when those it's almost like a trial balloon or it it is a uh, a little examination that's thrown out there everybody who doesn't immediately say this this is terrible whoa Uh, but the latest instance of of and i so i just wanted to say that whenever i see somebody who does something really stupid in terms of what they write or what they say on tv you know in public I believe in I believe in second chances, and I do not believe that everyone should get fired. Fired of the left always wants conservatives to get fired for everything. I mean, the left wants conservatives to get fired for, you know, for sneezing. Um, but I I refuse to be a part of the of that outrage mob. You shouldn't always get fired for what you say. And people are saying Madonna should get a visit from the Secret Service. Okay, yeah, she should for the sake of. I don't think she will, by the way, but for, for the sake of consistency, maybe she get a visit. But just understand, they're going to come in and be like, all right, you know, Ms. whatever your actual name is, I forget. It's like Madonna, Louise, Madonna, blah, blah, blah something or another. Um, latest comedian that's a coward and is not funny, Chelsea Handler. Is that her name? Yeah, Handler, who says she won't have Melania Trump on her show because she barely speaks English. This uh, immigrant shaming, isn't it interesting? That if you're a a white immigrant, the left doesn't seem to think that you're an immigrant. 
that doesn't count. You're not part of the American dream anymore. And tell that to very to some really poor countries that have sent us a lot of really great immigrants. Eastern European countries I'm thinking of specifically. And Melania Trump is being mocked here by Chelsea Handler, who has no academic pedigree to speak of. Not that that matters, but if you're going to start throwing shade at people for their education and linguistic abilities. And, of course, we have some pointing out that you're right. Melania Trump's English isn't perfect, but that's because she speaks French, Italian, German, Slovene and English. So five five languages? Yeah, five languages that she speaks fluently. But she's too she's too dumb to go on Chelsea Handler's comedy show. And also just what a nasty thing to say. And I, I have to take a moment to applaud Ralph Lauren. And I'm really happy the market is applauding Ralph Lauren, as in the stock has been going up, because they dressed Melania and it was a a, a beautiful gown. Not that I'm a fashion critic, but the color was really nice. And Ralph Lauren, as a result, is all bumping its stock. Well, sometimes good deeds do come with good things. All right. Good things. Good stuff, everybody. We've got more coming. We'll be right back. The Bug Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Show. Team, we're joined now by Sean Davis. He is co-founder of The Federalist, his latest on thefederalist.com. Mr. Davis, always a pleasure. Always fun to be on. Thanks for having me, Buck. Uh, so let's talk. There's a lot of stuff out there that I wanted to get your take on, Sean. First, though, um, be, we've gone now from fake news, which you've been, you've been tacula- uh, tackling with Herculean flair. Thanks for that. Very well done. Love your piece on the Federalist. We mentioned it here on the air. I don't think we had you on for it because I just saw it. But we're talking about the left binging on fake news. This is this seems to get lost in 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 the the scrum of opposing voices online and in the media sometimes. But there has there there have been stories pushed in the last few days alone by the media that are just come. They say, "Oh well, it was a mistake." But at some point, aren't they reckless mistakes? And at some point, aren't reckless mistakes just another form of pushing an ideology without having to stop and check and see if it's true? Yeah, so I had some pushback on my piece saying, well, you need to um, uh, you know, delineate between fake news that the person, who knows, uh, person who's pushing it knows is a lie and fake news where somebody just got it wrong. And my response to that is, if it's news and it's not accurate, then it's fake news. And I don't, as a news consumer, personally care whether it's inaccurate because the person who put it out there is deceitful or if it's inaccurate because the person who put it out there is incompetent. All I care about is the end product. And the other thing is that, you know, so many of these mistakes where where we're told it's not deliberate, it sure is weird how they all go in the same direction. I, I would be a lot more forgiving and willing to show some grace if these were evenly distributed mistakes, where half the time they made Democrats look bad and half the time they make Republicans look bad. But they don't. And, and this is the problem that the media just doesn't want to admit that, you know what, y'all are slanted. You don't really know what you're talking about half the time. 
And the only reason you're mad about fake news is because you think you should have monopoly on it. And I have to say that we're going to all get in the heads of the various journalists who are pushing what could accurately be described as as propaganda, because as you point out, the fake news always goes to a certain political narrative. It, it, it always supports one side, supports the left, it detracts from the right or it harms the right in some capacity. And you also see that the mistakes that they make are always the, the mistakes that they make that are obvious and that are blatant are particularly common. Uh, when it is also very damaging to Donald Trump. <laughs> so at, at some point it turns into, well, when are you when are you just now the guy who is using the anonymous tips in your inbox as a journalist as sources for stories as long as they're damaging to Trump? If you're if you're doing that, that would be considered, I think, fake news by anybody under any definition. And they don't seem to be that far away from it, in my estimation. I mean, the, the MLK bust was just unimaginably uh unimaginably ridiculous in terms of how little fact-checking went into that and how many people went with it right away. Oh, it it was amazing. And I don't blame so many uh, journalists, uh, uh, members in good standing, for getting mad about it because it it just kind of shows exactly what their industry was about. The reporter in this instance was in the Oval Office. He was personally there. Other members of the, uh, the White House staff were there, people he could have asked. He could have walked about this room and looked at every inch. But no, he didn't. He peered in a couple places, it would appear, uh, didn't see the MLK bust, and then decided uh, to spread that, oh, goodness, uh, Donald Trump, who's probably a racist, you know, uh, you know, he's the guy who threw the first black president out of the White House. Um, Donald Trump removed the MLK bust. And then he wants to come back after that, after refusing to ask anyone on the White House, hey, was that still there? Did I just miss it? He wants to come back and say, oh, no, it was just an innocent mistake. No, it wasn't. It was a story that he thought was so good, he wanted to go with it as soon as possible. I mean, let's also unpack for a moment. The Trump administration would do that and think that people wouldn't freak out about it, right? <laughs> this is because we all know with the Churchill bus with Obama, and they actually did remove it. And, uh, the, the, the Trump team thought that they would pull the MLK bust out of office as one of the first things, and and no, and it was just like an NBD, you know, who cares situation. That's that's what they think of the Trump team. I mean, they may not like the Trump team, but that's even a level beyond what any normal reporter would think is is possible. I, I would assume. No, it's classic projection. Um, they are projecting onto Trump really their their own uh, of lack of perspective and foresight. And, and keep in mind that the reporter's excuse in this uh, for getting it wrong was it was obscured by an agent and a door. I'm sorry. If you can't figure out if something is in a round room because a door got in your way, you're too stupid to have a byline. Totally agree with you. All right, I want to move from fake news, although I really enjoyed your piece on thefederalist.com, specifically taking people to task in the media for fake news, to fake science. There is a piece in The Atlantic, How Ultrasound Became Political. The technology has been used to create sped-up videos that falsely depict a response to stimulus. In this piece, it is asserted that babies don't have a heartbeat. Sean responds on thefederalist.com, abortion science, heartbeats are imaginary, unborn babies aren't alive, and ultrasounds are just tools of the patriarchy. Sean, uh, the Atlantic has just lost its mind, has embraced fake science. What's going on? Well, so it's interesting. The headline you just read was not the original headline, and uh, they, they stealth edited the headline 
and oh, did and, they? And a bunch of bunch of stuff in there. The original headline was "Ultrasounds Push the Idea that a Fetus is a Person," which I guess. Oh my gosh! I didn't even. I yeah. mean, I'd seen all the all the fury over this, Sean. That, that's this Atlantic. That's so slimy. Oh. Yeah. And then they took out their claim that heartbeats are imaginary. By the way, ultrasounds show that a fetus is a person in the same way that a thermometer shows it's cold outside in January. I mean, so it, it, it's not even as a matter of science. It's just stupid as a matter of literature. They also self-edited out their claim that a fetal heartbeat is imaginary. They removed the uh, fictitious claim that a baby does not have a heartbeat at six weeks, which was the essence of the entire piece. Uh, it, it, it's you know inarguable um, that based on what we know now, you can detect a heartbeat at four weeks. Uh, and it was basically just a long screed um, from a woman who is outraged that people have the audacity to look at an ultrasound and look at a sonogram and say, you know what, that captures the baby inside the mommy's tummy. That simple fact infuriates them. How could a, a place that fancies itself in the upper echelons of, of journalism and, and intellectualism, uh, like the Atlantic, how do you think they could publish something that's so forget about uh horrific and and really borderline satanic but side note um i mean that's never a side note but we'll just put that we can put that as a given for now but so obviously stupid this sort of reminds me of the fake news controversies that come up because this is just unthinkably dumb but I guess that's how just like the left hates Trump so much that they'll write the MLK bust. They just pulled it out uh, because they can't help themselves. This is the, you know going with the same thing on fake science. They hate the pro-life movement so much that they will and they love abortion so much that they'll write a piece that says that there's no baby heartbeat as though that's a, a debatable proposition. Yes. Yeah, so the, the, the interesting thing, the whole thrust of the piece is, is this author was mad that there are uh, that there's popping up all over the country state laws um, to uh, prohibit abortion after an unborn baby's heartbeat is detected. So this author, who, by the way, founded Logic magazine, that's not a joke. That, that's that's real news. That's not fake news. This author apparently decided, oh, well, I know how to get around that. I'll just claim that a baby doesn't have a heartbeat, an actual sentence. That appeared in that article was, what is a fetal heartbeat, and why does it even matter? I mean, that's, that's a real mystery, why somebody would think the existence of a heartbeat would matter for determining whether something is alive or not. Total puzzle right there. I got to say, it reminds me of in, in Parks and Recreation, a show that I like a lot, uh, even though it has some political undertones that are annoying. Uh, it, it is very funny and well-written, and there's a group of cult, uh, cult followers or a cult that are end of days, you know, this is every year they think the world's going to end and they call themselves the reasonableists because that would th you know, that throws people off. It's actually kind of a brilliant idea. Uh, this guy founding Logic Magazine, I feel like is the same thing. If you're going to say insane, crazy, obviously disprovable, disprovable things, you want to be the founder of Logic Magazine. Yeah, and, and, and the real issue here that was just so obvious throughout the entire piece is that the people who say these crazy things they know they're full of it. We know they're full of it. They know that we know they're full of it. What they are engaged in is a rhetorical, euphemistic battle to rationalize the unnecessary, voluntary killing of a healthy, viable, precious human being. And they somehow think that, oh, if you call it a fetus and not an unborn baby, then somehow that uh, eliminates the humanity 
uh, of the thing you're trying to kill. Now, as a society, we've seen how this works because we watched how uh, an entire group of people early in our history decided that a, another group of people were property and therefore not human, and therefore you could do whatever you wanted to them. So this, this attempt from the abortion activist crowd and from the abortion industry to dehumanize in the hopes that it will make it easier for you to kill your unborn baby is nothing new. It's nothing remarkable, and it, it's actually pretty blatant and obvious and sad. Sean, I, I know we're putting you on the spot here because we didn't uh, prep for this beforehand, but do you, can we keep you through the break and talk to you on the other side about some Trump transition stuff real quick? Do you have a minute? Yeah, let's go for okay, it. Okay, great. We got Sean Davis, co-founder of The Federalist. Thefederalist.com is the website. He is at Sean, S-E-A-N-M-D-A-V on Twitter. We're going to keep him through. We're going to talk about some Trump-tastic Trump Trumpiness, and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Sean Davis, co-founder of The Federalist, is with us. Sean, thank you for staying with us for another segment here. I wanted to get your take on Betsy DeVos and the hoops the administration is, I mean, the uh, rather, the hoops she's being forced to jump through by the Senate. Uh, she's the one that they, they seem to have a particular dislike for DeVos. What's going on? Uh, it, it's really interesting. So um, from what I have read uh, on the issue, when Obama nominated his uh, uh people for secretary of education. I think both of them had a total of 109 questions that were posed to them um, by Senate Democrats. I believe that as of today, uh, DeVos has been peppered with a request for her to answer 1,379 questions. Um, So we're looking at, you know, more than a 10 X, a 13 X difference in what they're expecting of a Republican nominee versus what they expected from a Democrat nominee. And I think the reason for that, to really understand it, you have to look at Scott Walker. I think DeVos is probably viewed by teachers unions the same way the unions viewed um, Walker in Wisconsin. Because she uh, supports school choice, because she believes that education um, exists as a way to teach children about things rather than a, as a means of giving jobs to adults, um, she is a direct threat to them. Re- remember, the, the NEA uh, it's a teacher's union. It's not a student's union. Uh, it is not comprised of children who want to get better educations. It's comprised of teachers who need jobs. And so when she comes in and threatens that monopoly, they're going to go to war with her, and that's what they've done. Any surprises uh, in, in your mind as to the people, uh, the uh, various appointees that the Trump administration has put forward getting through for cabinet positions? Has that gone more or less as expected? The Chuck Schumer exchange, by the way, with Tom uh, with Tom Cotton, Senator Cotton, I heard it went something on the lines of Schumer said to Cotton, uh, this has to do with no up or down vote for uh, um, uh, Pompeo. They delayed it. Schumer delayed it despite making a promise. Did you see this? And Tom Cotton... Oh, yeah. Was told by by Schumer, you know, well, you know, well, you were in the Senate eight years ago, and Tom Cotton's like, I was getting my butt shot off in Afghanistan. Why don't you shut your face? That I heard, by the way, it was even it was even saucier than that, but it was more or less that was the exchange. So it, I I've, I have been surprised by a couple things with um, Trump's cabinet picks. The the normal thing that happens is the opposition party they'll they'll kind of whine and moan about everyone, but they'll pick one person they will target all of their ire and all of their firepower on one person, and they will do their best to get one scalp. 
knowing they can't stop everyone, certainly when they're uh, in the minority uh, in the Senate, knowing they can't stop everyone, they'll usually try and concentrate their firepower on one person as a show of strength to prove that they're still relevant. And the Democrats have not done that. They've been running around with their hair on fire, shooting off in every direction possible. Um, it, it's, it's been interesting to me. You know, everyone they don't like is Hitler and everyone they don't like is a fascist. It's kind of how they've uh, seem to have approached these cabinet nominees. They're freaking out about all of them. And to be honest, I think it's really hampering their ability to be a credible opposition to Trump when they go out screaming bloody murder about everybody, uh, every person he throws up. Crying wolf. And I, there was that piece, I forget who wrote it, that made the rounds on the left because it was written by uh, a Democrat or you know a liberal um, that you're still crying wolf. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? It got a lot of play on social media a couple of months ago about how saying that Mitt Romney was the Antichrist means that now when you've got Trump and you want to say that, you know, he's really the like no one wants to hear it. I think that's true with the nominees. The Trump administration's put they're complaining about so much that none of their complaints register with fair minded people at this point. Right. And it's the same problem that the mainstream media has, too. They're freaking out about so much stupid stuff about crowd sizes, about the bust, about meh, 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 that when it actually comes time to talk about something that matters, something that people uh, who don't have a J school degree actually care about, the media will have been tuned out already. I mean, it, it, you really have to, in politics, um, pick a few things that are going to be your priorities and then focus on them. Not everything can be the worst thing ever in the beginning of the end of the world, but to watch the Democrats and watch the media cover Trump, you'd think every single breath he takes um, just you know, brings down 10 minutes off the doomsday clock. Yeah, their, their, their hatred oozes out of every pore and, and everything coming out of their pen, so to speak, is just one screed after another against all things Trump. Sean Davis, our friend from The Federalist, he's co-founder there. Go to thefederalist.com for his latest. And if you're not following him on Twitter, you're missing out. Sean M. Dav, D-A-V. Sean, great to have you, my friend. Thanks for making the time. Thank you, Buck. Have a great day. You too. Uh, team, we'll be back. Hour two, much more. Stay with me. You're listening to Buck Sexton on the Blaze Radio Network.